never been born, we had talked about these societal changes, how we would still be living in B.C. time, right? We talked about how the basic regard for human life would remain cheap. Benevolence and mercy would not nearly be what they are today had Jesus never been born. The world's literacy and our education system would not be what it is today. Healing of the sick, our hospitals would be greatly reduced. Even the discovery of America, we talked about, would be severely impacted had Jesus never been born. These are all well and good. These are perhaps fascinating tidbits of history and stories for you. But the last two weeks, I asked you to answer the question for yourself. You fill in the blank. If Jesus had never been born, what would that mean to you? And this morning, I want to go ahead and read some of your answers. I'll read all the answers that I received. Keep in mind, some of you... um, We're not as pithy as the rest, and so I had to massage things and maybe uh, adjust it for for time restraints. But here are some of the responses that I received. If Jesus had never been born, I couldn't live. He is my rock, my salvation, my deliverer, my healer, my comforter. I can lean on his everlasting arms. Great is his faithfulness. Another one said, I would not be here. I know in my heart that I would not have conquered cancer and I would not be able to live with the disease that I have. Jesus knows my struggles and helps me through. If I could not put my trust in him, I don't know who I'd turn to. If Jesus had not been born, another person said, there would not be any real peace Or any real joy. No shelter in a storm. No rock to build my marriage on. There would be no hope. Here's one. There would be no true Christmas story to read to our children or grandchildren. No child growing up with Joseph in the carpentry shop. Who would John the Baptist have been waiting for to baptize? Who would have multiplied the bread and the fishes? But most of all, no one to show and teach us the true teachings on how to treat one another as human beings with love and compassion. Who would we followed, have followed if there had been no baby Jesus? Our president or political people? I don't think so. I don't see any Jesus' traits in any of them. Too much corruption and greed. Only Jesus can show us how to live our lives as true Christians and believers. Another one said, if Jesus had never been born, there would be no peace. Without the birth of Jesus and all the adversities life has dealt, I would not have peace. But I can say, it is well with my soul. Thanks be to Jesus and God's wonderful plan. I can communicate with my Savior any time, day, or night. Another one responded, there would be no hope, only despair. Another said, if Jesus was never born, I really don't think my dad would be in the ministry. And if my dad wasn't in ministry, he probably would not be a Christian and neither would I. I love you, Dad. Where'd she go? There she is. 
I think you know who said that. I love you too, honey. Another said, when you were asking the question, I was thinking to myself, that is a scary thought. Tears came to my eyes almost immediately because I remember my life before Jesus. I didn't really have anything before I became a Christian. It was the first time I felt cared about. I don't know what kind of path I would have went down, but it probably would not have been a good one. I know I would not have my wonderful wife and my three wonderful boys. I can honestly say that all of my qualities came from Jesus. Someone answered it like this. If Jesus had never been born, nothing. They just basically gave the word nothing, meaning that if Jesus had never been born, they would be nothing. And a few more here. This person said, I cannot imagine what life would be like if Jesus was never born. But the first thing that came to my mind is that we would not have our eternal salvation. Amen. I thank God every day for all the good in the world. And I feel that none of that would exist without Jesus Christ, for he is my Savior. Three more. I like this one. I like them all. If Jesus was never born, I would not have a unique purpose for my life. One said, I would not be alive. And the last one said, I would be hopeless. As I read all of these for the first time, and maybe those of you who are hearing these for the first time, there's one theme that just kind of seemed to pop out, one overarching thought that just stood out. That if Jesus had not been born, if Jesus had never been born, there would be no hope. No hope. In August of this year, the entertainment world was shocked when word got out that Robin Williams was found dead of an apparent suicide. Why? They're still trying to determine everything, but they know that he battled alcoholism and that he battled drug abuse. He suffered from severe depression. Back in 2013, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. No doubt these all played a part in his decision, but in essence, Robin Williams had no hope. hope. You take away someone's hope and you take away their purpose for living. Take away their will to live, their will to survive, their reason for getting up in the morning. That's why so many people who are, go through depression, they never want to get out of bed in the morning. They just want to stay in bed because to get out of bed, you have to have a reason to get out of bed. Maybe there are some of you here this morning that have been fighting that. Just always want to sleep. It's the one thing that drives nearly 40,000 Americans every year to take their own lives. Between 1952, listen to this, between 1952 and 1995, suicide in young adults nearly tripled. 
For young people 15 to 24 years of of age, suicide is the second leading cause of death. The strongest risk factor for suicide is depression, yet 80% of people that seek treatment for depression are treated successfully. And on average, one person dies by suicide every 13.3 minutes. Think about that. Suicide rates among the elderly are highest for those who are divorced or widowed. No hope. No hope. Some quotes from famous individuals. One said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Another said, hope is important because it can make the present moment less difficult to bear. If we believe tomorrow will be better, we can bear the hardship of today. One said, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. And this last quote is from a man who lost his son to suicide, but this is what he said. Actually, many of you know who it is, Rick Warren. Rick Warren, the preacher out west, lost his son to suicide, and this was his quote. What gives me the most hope every day is God's grace knowing that His grace is going to give me strength for whatever it is that I face, knowing that nothing is a surprise to God. Could it be that some people, perhaps many people in the world during this time of year, they're looking for something to hope in and they look forward to Christmas every year even if it's just for a season, they, they forget that they're unsatisfied, they're unfulfilled, they're hopeless lives because there's fun and festivities and all the traditions and all the parties and it gives them something to look forward to, something to give them hope in. But come January 2nd, the unfulfilled and the unsatisfied life just comes rolling back around. You see, we're living in a world where hope is hard to find. A doctor says that dreaded word to you, that word that begins with the letter C. You can't find a job or you just lost a job. Your child is lost. They're living in a rebellious world of their own. Our world is filled with husbands and wives that seem to be on totally different planets. Emotions and feelings are numb and it seems as if all hope is gone in that marriage. Perhaps your next door neighbor has just lost a loved one and they're feeling hopeless. Another person sits gazing at their bills and their debt and they have no idea how they're going to get out of it. These are just samples of what I believe millions of people are experiencing around the world when they lose hope. Ah, let me wake you up, but here's the good news. Here's the great news. Herein lies life-altering, life 
changing news. We do not have to live in a world where Jesus was never born. Amen? We do not have to live in that kind of a world. Jesus indeed was born and he has come not only to bring joy and peace. Jesus has come to bring you hope. Couldn't wait to get that part of the message. He has come to bring you hope. Listen, whatever it is you're facing, I have no idea. I know what some of you are facing, but some of you come here and perhaps you have a mask on or you're wearing a smile or you seem pleasant, but inside you're saying, yeah, it's me. Because Jesus came, there's hope for you. Whatever circumstance you're in, no matter what situation you're in, there is hope. Today, and I'll wrap it up next week, we're going to talk about those areas where Jesus brings hope. Today I want to focus on just one. What's great, and I talked about this, or I even said this in the prayer with, with Shelley, what's great about the hope that Jesus brings he makes it personal. He makes it personal. This gets right down to where you and I live. No religion, no other religion, no other cult, no philosophy offers a God who personally cares about you. You may think that no one cares. You may think that God's forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He cares exactly. He knows the, he knows the issue you're going through before you know that you're going through it. All these other cults, philosophies, religions, all they can offer you is a systematic form of living. Do this. Do that. Obey this and follow this practice, this discipline, this ritual, and you'll be fulfilled. But in the end, none of them can give you the hope that your soul so longs for. Recently, I watched a show on TV, and, and it, it uh, talked about the Jews that were living in Israel today. Many of you have seen some of these shows. There are over 6 million Jews living in Israel today. However, and listen to this, only about 30% of those Jews practice Judaism. Now just stop and think about that for a moment. Over 4 million Jews, Jews, are non-practicing Jews. They're just Jews by heritage and race only. 70% living in their forefathers' promised land want nothing to do with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not crazy? Why is that? I personally believe that it's because there's no hope. They have no hope in the land. Sure, millions are, of Jews are hopeful that the Messiah will come. There are many Jews that don't even believe there is such a thing as Messiah. There are still some Jews that believe he is coming. They're hoping in that. There are still Jews that are hoping that they will gain complete control of Israel and Jerusalem. There are Jews that are hoping that they'll get to rebuild their precious temple. 
talked about this not long ago, where the Dome of the Rock is, where the Muslims have built their temple. They're hoping in these things, but they're all false hope. See, I believe that the 70% 70 of those non-practicing Jewish people, they see their fellow countrymen repeat the same old practices, the same old rituals as you see on the screen, recite the same prayers, Old Testament scriptures. They see them do this day after day and week after week, month after month and year after year. Every day, scores of Jews approach the wailing wall, crying for the peace of Israel. But those practicing Jews are just as empty, just as unfulfilled as the non-practicing Jews. You see, without Jesus, and I say this to the Jews, and I say this to you, there's someone here today that needs to hear this word. Without Jesus, there is no hope for your life. There is no hope. Notice that all the statements that I read earlier, the ones that you submitted to me, notice that all those statements were personal. They were not generic societal things. They were ways in which God has personally touched you. Ways that God has personally brought hope back into your life. They were all ways that God has personally saved you. That's the word we throw around loosely in church. Saved. Matthew 1, 18 through 20 says this. Excuse me. No, it doesn't. Go to Matthew 1 with me. Let's go there. Matthew 1. I'll get to that Hebrews here in a second. Oh, such a familiar passage, such a simple passage. Matthew 1, you should be able to get there quickly. Start with verse 18 through 21, the Christmas story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And here we go. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Turn over to Luke chapter 2. Probably the most famous Christmas passage, Luke chapter 2. He will save his people from their sins. Luke 2, just two verses. 
verse 10 and 11. Speaking to the shepherds, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a, say it with me, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior. You see, in order to give us hope, God in his love for you and me sent us a Savior. A Savior who would save us from our troubles. A Savior who would save us from us. <laughs> and that was my next screen. For Jesus has brought hope to the sinner. Praise God. Praise God. The message is fairly simple this morning. We have a tendency to make it confusing. But if you're here this morning and if you have a pulse, anyone not have a pulse? Let me see your hand. (laughs) If you're here this morning, if you have a pulse, then you're in one of two camps. You're either in the camp of the saved or you're in the camp of the unsaved. Simple as that. There's no middle ground. There's no lukewarm Christian You're either hot or you're cold. And if you're in the camp of the unsaved, you're probably trying to be a good person. But you know that deep down inside, you're playing games with God. And if you're honest with yourself, you would have to say that there's really no true sense of peace or joy in your life. There's unrest. There's emptiness inside. Maybe life is a mess right now and it's causing you to have no hope. For the longest time now, you've been trying to figure life out on your own. You want to know God. You want to experience God. That's why you're here, perhaps. You've been trying your hardest, but it almost seems as if God is purposely distant. As if He's just, you're trying, but God's just not there. You may have periods of happiness, seasons of contentment, but after a little while, that feeling of unrest comes back. Here's the next profound thing that I will say. The Bible tells us that you will never have true hope unless you first place your faith, your entire being, into the person of Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, this doesn't quite sound like a Christmas message. This is the Christmas message. This is it. Forget the tinsel, forget the presents. Sorry, kids. Forget the fudge, forget the cookies, forget the year without a Santa Claus, forget this is Christmas. You will never have true hope. Look at what Hebrews 11.6 says. But without faith it is impossible to please him. Now stop. Everybody wants to experience God, right? 
It is my hope and my desire. I've shared this with the elders and the deacon. It is my hope and desire that everyone who comes through those doors will somehow be able to experience God. Will somehow be able to feel his presence. But I'm telling you, if you don't have that, this verse is telling us that you cannot please him without faith. You cannot experience this God without faith. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then if you believe that, then it will just lead you to this ever popular verse. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, there's that word again, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You do this, and God guarantees that you will have hope, and you will have a reason to get up in the morning. Amen. Let me tell you some stories of some gentlemen that I'm going to close. That gentleman there is Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter was what they called the scum of the earth. Living back in the Chicago area, he was a, an alcoholic. He abused his family, he abused his wife, he abused his kids. Constantly getting fired from job, go from one job to the next and get let go. Often found in the gutter as a drunkard. This is how far, how depraved he was. One time he came home and his daughter was sick in bed and he showed concern by taking her boots off, going out to sell the boots so he could have another drink. He came back to find that his daughter had passed away. Overcome with grief, he went to kill himself. Went to go find a place in Lake Michigan and kill himself. But as he was on his way, he heard a loudspeaker of a revival in the area. And he ducked inside to see what this was all about. And he heard this preacher talking about the love of Jesus Christ. And he said to himself, is it true, is it true that there is a God who could love someone like me? And in an instant, says that the grip that the alcohol had on him just melted away. Right there on his way to commit suicide, he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He went on to found... a place where alcoholics could go in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thousands and thousands of alcoholics came to know Jesus Christ because of that man right there. He went on to start another 50 mission homes around the country for alcoholics. Don't believe Mel Trotter? How about C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis, probably one of the greatest... Christian authors that 
the world has ever known. C.S. Lewis, whenever he was a child, lost his mother at a young age. He then was taken to a tutor who taught him to think critically. Not long after that, this young C.S. Lewis became an atheist. He went into World War I, got injured, got wounded, and he left the war thinking that life was nothing more than just to seek out pleasures for yourself, seek out the joys of living and the joys of the flesh. But it wasn't long that he began to read other books that were written by predominant Christians. And these Christian authors, along with Christian friends in his life, led him to Jesus Christ in his 30s, and he went on to become one of the greatest Christian writers we have known to write mere Christianity and write the Chronicles of Narnia. His life was transformed. Don't believe C.S. Lewis? What about Sergeant Jacob DeShazer? Sergeant Jacob, Jacob DeShazer, he was in World War II. He was in Doolittle's squad, General Doolittle. He was a bombardier. During World War II, they were over Japan. They were shooting down, and they were shot down, and, and he was captured by the Japanese, put into a very small cell. And he said that the Japanese guards would torture him mercilessly day after day to where he developed such a hatred. He despised them so much that every day became about just getting free just so he could get a hold of one of those guards and choke the life out of one of those guards. That became his all-consuming thought. That was what his life was about. He wanted revenge. Until one day, someone brought a Bible into the prison. And the Bible began being passed around. And Sergeant Jacob read the Bible and he devoured it. And then he came to the part where Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And just like Mel Trotter Sergeant Jacob DeShazer said that he felt the, the hatred just melt away. And for the first time, he had joy in his life, and he had peace in his life. And this is what Jesus does for you. There in that Japanese prison, enduring horrendous uh, surroundings, he said at that moment, when Jesus Christ came into his life, he said, there was no place in this world I would rather be than right there. That's where Jesus met me. His life was changed. The guards began to notice it. One time a guard purposely slammed a, a, a cell door down on his foot and began to kick his foot. He did not a thing. Greatly impacting the guards. He got out of prison. After the war, he went back to, to the United States. And God began to place it on his heart to go back to Japan. Not for revenge, but to be a missionary to the Japanese. Someone took his life story, put it in a track, and they began to pass out the tracks over in Japan. There is one man, one Japanese man, who was dejected, was discouraged, was hopeless in life. 
And an American handed this Japanese man this track, and he read this story about Sergeant Jacob DeShazer. And his heart was melted. He sought out some Christian missionaries, and they led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. That Japanese man was Captain Mitsuo Fujita. He was the man who spearheaded the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941. The very man who shouted, Torah, 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 had his life changed because of Jesus Christ. He began to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. He even showed up at the 25-year anniversary of Pearl Harbor. He showed up there in Hawaii, and he had a gift for those who had survived, and it was a Bible And inside the Bible, get this, the one verse that changed Sergeant Jacob, the verse that Captain Fujita had on there in the Bible was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Had Jesus never come, none of their stories and many of your stories this morning would never have been told. You see, God knew that we needed a Savior, so he sent a Savior. Praise God, Jesus is still in the business of saving and changing lives. Amen? Amen. He's still in the business of bringing hope to the hopeless. The hope began with a baby born in a manger, and it was fulfilled on the day that he died on a cross and rose again from the dead. If Jesus had never been born, our lives would be without meaning, without hope. For you see, when you allow Jesus to come into your life, 100% of your faith, 100% of your being, that's what you have to give him, he will transform your life so that you can have true purpose and true meaning in life. And he'll also get rid of the guilt of sin. The guilt and the shame. Maybe there's someone here today. Maybe there's someone here today that you have guilt, you have shame. You're like that Mel Trotter. How on earth can a God forgive me for the things that I have done in life? No one else knows the things that I have done. God knows. Had you been the only one, he still would have sent his son. He will take away that heavy burden of guilt which causes so many people to live under a gray cloud, a life without hope. Jesus can give you victory over sin today and he will give you victory for your future. Praise the Lord. So it's really as simple as this. No God, no hope. No God, no hope. Praise the Lord. Jesus has brought hope to the sinner, and aren't you glad for that? There have been a number of times that I'll make comments about the time. And I appreciate you so much because many of you have told me, stop saying that. Don't worry about the time. Okay, I'm not going to worry about the time. I know we're a few days away from Christmas. I know in a little bit we're going to dismiss and we're going to go about our days. And 
Um, I'm going to be going into mom and dad's later on and, and celebrating Christmas with them. But, but let, let, me just, let me just pause here. This is a very sacred moment because there could be one person in here that is hopeless. There could be one person in here that came here this morning looking for hope, looking for something. I'm telling you, you'll find it in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. We're going to sing the classic Billy Graham song. Joyce, would you come up? I don't know what page it is. Mandy, if you'll come up. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Father, thank you. God, may we pause just for a moment. And those of us who have accepted you as Lord and Savior, may we thank you for the hope that you've given us. Considering what our life might be like. Thank you for hope. Thank you for giving me a reason to get up in the morning, God. Your word tells us in Jeremiah 29 and 11 that you've given us a hope and a future. So, Father, this morning we thank you for sending your son, the baby Jesus, who offers hope. God, if there's one person here this morning, just one person, there might be more, Lord, that, that are seemingly in a hopeless situation. God, maybe they've never truly accepted you as Savior They've been trying to experience you. They want to please you. They've been trying all they know how, but God, that's just it. It's not in their own wisdom. Ephesians tells us, for as by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. God, I thank you. That is nothing that we can do. God, if there's anyone here this morning that needs to accept you as Savior, to accept your hope, to accept your forgiveness. God, I pray that they'll do it this morning. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the message of Christmas. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?